This is exactly right. To my favorite murder. It's the mini-sode. It's the mini-sode. It's the pandemic inside, no one's near each other, yet we're still doing it, mini-sode. And somehow we have makeup on, which is... Well, because we're videoing it. I know. Now now there's all kinds of things we have to do and meet requirements we have to meet. (laughs) What a bummer. Uh, You can actually see the video of last week's mini-sode on our website at My Favorite Murder. Select moments, want. not the entire thing. Absolutely. All right, should we go? Do you want to go yeah. first this week? Change it up? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. This is called, I'm self-isolating in a murder house. Hey, pals. Hope you're staying inside and healthy. Anyway, let's get to it. So, after spending nearly a decade living in the city of Philadelphia, I left to go to grad school and live on the beach in New Jersey. Aside from being in New Jersey, I thought I was living my best life. My two roommates and I live in a huge house a mile from the shore that the owners are renting for next to nothing because it's the off-season. One day a few months back, I found out another reason they were renting the house so cheap. I was outside cleaning my car when the little old lady that lives two houses down saw me outside and ran over to me. <laughs> she, uh, Before saying anything else, she asked me the most in the most New Jersey accent you've ever heard. I'm surprised you girls decided to stay here for the winter. Do you know what happened? In the, you do know what happened in this house, right? A woman murdered her ex-husband right here. Oh, shit. I obviously had not heard the story before, and she did not skip a beat before telling me everything. In 2010, a woman named Kathleen Dorset lived in my house with her one-year-old daughter, and her parents lived across the street. Dorset was in a custody battle for her kid with her ex-husband, Stephen Moore. One day, in, Stephen. <laughs> one day in August 2010, Moore came by to drop off their baby, and Kathleen asked him to go to the backyard and grab some tools he had left at the house when he had lived there. When he went out back, it turns out Kathleen's dad was waiting back there for him. Oh, whoa. Yeah. The father then beat Moore with a crowbar and strangled him to death with a rope. Jesus. Dad and daughter Dorset then dragged Moore's body to his own car and put him in the trunk, drove it a town over and set it on fire. It didn't take long for the cops to figure out who had committed the murder. There was literal video footage of them throwing away evidence in a store's dumpster. They admitted to everything in court and the whole family was sentenced to prison for the crime with no chance of parole until they've served a minimum of 50 years. (laughs) The whole family, like they called the aunt and the grandma. You know what? You're all trouble. (laughs) Your cousin Maureen is going down for this. When my neighbor finished telling me the story, she then took me by the arm and led me to my own backyard and pointed out where there (laughs) used to be a blood stain in the driveway. (sighs) Thanks for the nightmares, lady. We get mail for Kathleen about once a week, even though it's been a decade since she lived there. I guess it's kind of hard to change her mailing address from prison. Well, that's it. I haven't noticed anything spooky in the house, but now that I'm quarantined inside my murder home, here's to hoping the ghost of poor Stephen Moore doesn't pick now to come haunt it. Thanks for keeping me sane during this literal nightmare we are living in, Lindsay. I mean, great story, Lindsay. I feel like I've never heard of that in all the cases that we've told each other. I don't know if I've ever heard like a dad killing a husband for a daughter. I mean, is it Casey Anthony? No, she did all that, though. They just lied for her. Okay. 
That was her doing. And they didn't do it on purpose. Yeah. A dad doing that. That's true. Doing the actual crime, like killing. Yeah. I don't know. Like, how does that conversation start with your dad? I mean, it starts like it starts like this. You you know what? You were right. (laughs) Doesn't it? That was a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Horrifying. Yeah. Uh, wow. Then and then living there, I, I tell yeah. you, if an old lady is running toward you, <laughs> hold your ground and find out what she wants. It's always good. That's it's all, always right. going to be good. It's always going to be good. Oh, what I wouldn't <laughs> give for an old lady to stay six feet away from me, but run. Except for, except for the old lady that came at me when I was walking my dog in my old neighborhood because I'd just thrown a bag of poop into a garbage can that was waiting on the street <sighs> to be emptied on garbage day. That's I, And she came over shaking a finger and I was like, <gasps> lady, I'm about to light you on fire. It's garbage. It's garbage. And also she was talking to me like I was this interloper and she was yeah. living in like Bel Air. And I yeah. was like, no, I live four houses down. Uh, I'll end you. Uh, <laughs> so I have my own personal, <laughs> there's a caveats that I get to add to the right. Rule I just made up as always. That's That's how life works. That's how we do it. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Okay. So, my first one the subject line is code silver. Um, Okay. Hi. When I was in medical school in Buffalo, New York, I did my trauma surgery rotation in July at the county hospital. For those not in healthcare, county hospitals tend to be more rough around the edges, underfunded, and treat many patients without insurance as opposed to private hospitals. I know that because that's where I went when I had my seizures in 97. And it was horrifying. There were six of us in one uh, hospital room. Crazy. Buffalo has its share of gunshots slash gang violence, so it's a, it was a pretty crazy month. I'll never forget the time they cracked a gunshot victim's rib cage open in the emergency room with a tool similar to garden shears to try to access his heart directly oh. and quickly, but he didn't make it. There was one trauma surgeon in particular who sparked respect, interest, and intrigue. We'll call him Dr. J. He had grown up in a rough neighborhood in Buffalo and had, quote, gotten out, gone into the Army Special Forces, then came back to go to medical school and practice trauma surgery. Wow. He was very tall and muscular, soft-spoken, always calm and kind, unlike some of the surgeons who wouldn't hesitate to let a trainee know how stupid they thought they were. <laughs> he was also a very skilled surgeon and constantly had a gaggle of residents and students following him, trying to learn from him and soak up some of his awesomeness. One day at the hospital, there was a code silver, which is the overhead code for an active shooter. Everyone was instructed to seek refuge in locked rooms. One of the surgical residents ran into Dr. J and advised him to get into a room and hide. Dr. J thanked the resident, but kept walking. Later that day, we found out that Dr. J was the active shooter. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right? I thought maybe he was going to be like the hero who saved the day. Same. Same. What? Uh, He had shot and killed a woman who worked in administration at the hospital with whom he had had a romantic (gasps) relationship. He went on later that day to kill himself. The story is tragic for all involved, but particularly so because in retrospect, Dr. J was clearly showing signs of mental illness leading up to this incident. Mm. He had recently lost a great deal of weight. He had been short-tempered and had led his normally tidy house and yard go into disarray. He'd also been performing routine operations throughout the night. Think a gallbladder removal at 2 a.m. Police... 
Hmm. Yeah, that okay. you'd think that would somebody would be like, yeah, <laughs> you don't need to do that. You don't need to work yeah. all through the night, sir. 9 a.m. is fine for the gallbladder surgery. Yeah. Hey, surgeon, what what happened to golfing? What? Why aren't you? <laughs> what happened to sleeping? Yeah, really. Police later found food and supplies stored in the ceiling above his office. What? In the profession of medicine and surgery in particular, we are rewarded for being, quote, tough, not making a fuss and not being emotional. He continued to do his job well, despite these signs that something was wrong, so no one spoke up. I'm sure his colleagues regret this deeply. This story is a reminder to speak up, to be a busybody, and to get into other people's business. Yeah. But seriously, if you think something is up with a colleague or neighbor, just check in. Just say something. It's better to be annoying than to ignore your gut and regret it forever. Thanks for all that you do. I love listening to your podcast on the way to work as a little distraction from all the intensity of the world right now. Shout out to all all the healthcare professionals, teachers, grocery store employees, sanitation workers, and others keeping this crazy world running in a pandemic. Hell and yeah. That's not signed. Oh. Amazing. Wow, what a banana story. I just think about the person who ran in to warn him. Yes. And I when I was reading this, I did the exact same thing you did where I was like, Dr. J is gonna go take care of business yes. in some fascinating special forces way. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that that person warned him and that he didn't do anything. Totally. You know, I mean, God, just unnerving. Yes. Exactly. So, amazing. Oh, yeah. That's what crazy. a story. Yeah. Okay. Let me read I'm not gonna read the title of this one. Okay. Hi all <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to skip the pleasantries though I love you both and get straight to it. Thank this you. Thank you. <laughs> this story is about my Aunt Debbie, who I credit with my murderino instincts. She showed me gory slasher movies when I was way too young. <laughs> she would dress up as various serial killers during her annual Halloween parties, her favorite holiday. And she told me scary stories almost every night when I lived with her as a young child. Basically, she's been a badass murderino from day one, and she has many, many insane stories, but I think this one is her best. Nice. Fucking ants, man. Love we're her. The, we're the What's best. Aunt who, sorry? Aunt Debbie. Auntie Aunt Debbie. Auntie Debbie, okay. Yeah. This story takes place in 1980 when Debbie was about 14 years old. She and her family were up at their parents' cabin on Vancouver Island. Because this was 1980, she was allowed to roam free around the small town all day long without checking in with anyone. Duh, it says. <laughs> of course, my crazy aunt felt like rebelling, so she decided to steal a cigarette from her mom's purse and smoke it outside. I love 14-year-olds that are like, I need a cigarette. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> For real, it's like, I better go smoke this Benson and Hedges Lights 100, <laughs> the most unpleasant mom cigarette you could possibly oh, steal. Disgusting. <laughs> so gross. I love it. Um, she then goes for a walk through the forest near her cabin in order to smoke without anyone noticing. Mm-hmm. On this walk, Debbie realizes that she doesn't have a lighter. Just then a man in a large coat comes out of the forest and onto her path. No. Now, obviously, 14-year-old Debbie's murderino instincts hadn't kicked in yet because she isn't creeped out at all. And she asks him if he has a lighter. <laughs> hey, I'm 14. Do you have a lighter? <laughs> oh, excuse me. I'm glad I ran into you. Are hey. you a bear? No. Okay, great. Then do you have a lighter? Mister with a coat on? Is there a bunch of <laughs> tiny baby bears under that coat? Standing on each other's shoulders? No. A raincoat in the forest? Then okay, you have a lighter. Anyway, is there a lighter but in there? The man walks closer to her and says that he doesn't. He then asks if she is out in the forest alone. Ugh. Luckily, these questions scare Debbie and she lies through her teeth saying, my parents will be here any minute. I should probably go meet them now. The man just smiles and says, they're not coming, are they? 
<gasps> he then he then grabs her arm, takes off his coat, and flashes her. My aunt then screams, "Ew! No one wants to see that." <laughs> Jerks away, picks up some pebbles from the forest floor and starts chucking them at him. Yes, that's right. That's right. Now, I don't know if it was her loud screams or the pebbles pelting his scrotum, but he ran away. (laughs) Now, it being 1980 and all, after he leaves, Debbie walks home and nonchalantly jokes about being flashed with her family. No police report or psych eval involved. Cut to summer of 1981 with Debbie watching the news at the end of August with her family. Suddenly, the man's photo comes up on the screen on the screen. That's him, she says. That's the guy who flashed me. It turns out she had asked Clifford Olson, the beast of British Columbia, for a lighter. She had thrown pebbles at Cliff- Clifford Olson's dick. If you don't know, Clifford Olson, he raped and killed 11 children's and teens from 1980 to 1981. Oh, right when she God. ran into him. Oh, my God. He was an absolute asshat in prison, using his rights to file Tons of bizarre legal claims, example, claiming that being denied a solid pleasure, life-size revolutionary sex doll was cruel and unusual punishment. (laughs) On a positive note, his case resulted in the rise of the victims of violence movement and a lot of amendments to our criminal justice system. Thank you for all you do, especially right now when the world feels like a dumpster fire. Stay sexy and don't steal your mother's cigarettes without her lighter. Sarah from Victoria, British Columbia. Oh, Sarah. That was that was, as Miley Cyrus would say, a banger. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was everything because it was running into a creep in the forest of flash, fear and danger. And then the payoff of, oh, no, it was a child killer and getting away from him any way she could and then it turning out that like her life was totally in danger at that yes. moment i mean obviously but like legit yeah. it's crazy and throwing rocks in him i bet that felt good i bet <laughs> once you ew. get away ew Take- no one wants to see that <laughs> oh my god it was a different time it was it was the kind of thing where yeah in the 80s it, like i was 10 in 1980 if you yeah. were walking around by yourself you kind of knew to keep a, a like an uh, more than arm's length di- distance right. from people because it was a possibility yeah oh yeah. oh man all right swiss the swiss cheese pervert doesn't live on an island you know no that's you learned not that a, that, that was not a behavior. one-off <laughs> <That's> <laughs> So this subject line of this one is my great, great aunt and the missing suitcase of money. Hello. I've been debating sending the story for a while, but since we're all bound to home, I thought you might enjoy this family fairy tale. Okay. This is a story about my great, great aunt. She was a beautiful, tall, blue eyed, black haired, bad bitch. And is the reason I tighten up when anyone mentions nature versus nurture. She grew up poor on a ranch in the West. And at the time, um, it doesn't get much tougher than that. I picture her coolly leaned back in a saddle, moving through the untouched landscape or bellied up to a bar laughing with whiskey dripping down her chin. Hold on. Is this my life story? I know. <laughs> Blue <laughs> eyes and black hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's you. Not that tall. Okay. It is rumored um, anyone who came in contact with her fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's you. Mm, sounds right. When she was a teenager, she met with a wealthy man. She met a wealthy man who owned a ranch nearby, and they were married a few weeks later. Whoa! Fam- yeah, right. And she's a teenager. Oh but- God. Sounds like it was a long time ago. Family lore tells it went well for a year or two, but the way my grandma puts it, 
um, quote, she wasn't one to be tamed. And it didn't take long for her to begin showing up to the family home with bruises one week and a busted lip the next. It is easy to get hurt on a ranch. So at first they believed her stories of different accidents. One night her horse showed up on the ranch, but she wasn't with it. The family scoured the property. And after two days, they found her completely beaten, nearly (gasps) dead, only a mile from the family home. She had tried to ride there, but after a while, it seemed she had passed out from the pain and had fallen off her horse. She was healing from her, quote, riding accident when she began spending more and more time riding out with the ranch hands to gather cattle and fix the fences. She spent a lot of time with one man in particular. It seems the two of them fell in love. And once in love, they hatched a plan to kill her husband and steal his money. And that's just what they did. Her husband's body was discovered a few days later. He had been stabbed to death and a safe and his safe had been emptied. The two of them were seen riding out of town on horseback with a suitcase and nothing else. We could only guess it was full of the money that had been in the safe. They went on the run for a while. And then my family heard that the ranch hand's body was found. He had been stabbed to death and his safe had been emptied. No, she was never heard from again. <laughs> Bonus attic content. A few years ago, we were cleaning out the family barn and came across an old suitcase in the attic. My sister and I freaked out thinking we had found her suitcase full of millions, but were disappointed to find it was actually our grandma's spoon collection. (laughs) That's so cute. Treasure. SSDGMC. Spoon collection. It was just grandma's spoon collection. Is there anything more like... Sweethearted than a spoon collection. Oh, one of them is from Banff. Yeah. <laughs> one of them's from Disneyland. The one time they went to London, maybe. Maybe. That's, that's or amazing. someone they know went to London and right. brought it back because they're like, oh, she loves spoons. Bring Kathy a spoon, she says. Bring Kathy a spoon. She will love it. Oh, she'll love she it. She loves spoon. Meanwhile, spoon Kathy's like, I never co- I never wanted to collect spoons. <laughs> I got one spoon and they think I like spoons. And now it's an avalanche of spoons. Um, isn't that an amazing story? I wonder what happened to her. I wonder what else she, she did. Became your mother, I think. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's when my mom stopped killing. Is when she met my dad. She was. It was just. Or true did love. she? Or did she? Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my god, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient. Made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made in. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad. So it's It's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit 
visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Okay, this one I got, I found some, I I wasn't sent to me. I just found it and feel like I had, it made me laugh so hard and I'm going to read it as I feel like it's supposed to be read and you'll, you'll get it. This is called <laughs> Small Town Shooting Thingy. Mm. It just starts. So a couple months ago to a year, there was a couple gunshots shot off. I was just chilling in bed, listening to your podcast. It was about 11 p.m., I believe. I'm not sure. I lose track of time at night. And I heard some gunshots go off. There was one period in that entire first <laughs> part. However, I did not suspect it was a gunshot because I live in a small town uh, called Colonial Beach and it was really loud. So I figured it was close. I would later figure out it was two houses down. 
Also, I'm just a 13-year-old girl and I had never heard gunshots before, so I didn't know what it was, but I suspected it was gunshots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you knew. Yeah. Since I was not confident it was gunshots, I was not unsettled with it and kept listening to your podcast, Chilling. I mean, imagine a 13-year-old girl listening to our podcast. <laughs> Hi. A week, hi. A hi. week later, my mom asked me a question. The question she asked me was if I heard anything on that night, which I was so I was scared. So I lied and said no. But I lied because I didn't know if she was trying to to be sly and see if I was awake because she had done that in the past. <laughs> OK, back to the story and not with my life. But she said that there was a shooting at the house and there was a car with bullet holes in it. And no, it is not rust that looks like bullet holes. Also, there was a bullet hole in the wall, which is still there to this day. But now there is a different homeowner and I never saw it go up for sale. A little fishy, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But me and my friend, mainly me, wanted to see who the new homeowners were. So we went there, went to their house when they when we were trick or treating this past year. And they seemed a little weird and a little too nice. But that could be me with my murderina instincts. That's right. (laughs) And you're 13. Oh, and a couple years passed. We thought that the house behind our house was a drug house. And I know of other drug houses and the elementary school burned down four or five years ago. And and still no one knows why. Sincerely, Quinn. <laughs> I think that's my favorite one. Yeah. There are four periods. I love you, Quinn. Quinn, great job. In- very entertaining uh, email. Very well put together. Yep. She's a it, sleuth. It had it all. You got your eye out. Yeah. We love it. Yes. Keep um, your eye out. Try to find out why that house burned down. Why not walk around with a little notepad and ask questions? It was elementary school that burned down. Oh, sorry. I, I thought it was a house. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, then Quinn, now we know why. Quinn, we're going to need monthly updates about your town and who's doing what and what's yes. going on. Please. 13-year-olds. <laughs> We need need the 13-year-old update. Also, if you're another different 13-year-old that's listening, sorry. But also, we want to hear from you, too. Don't think that we don't want to hear from you just because you're in junior high. (laughs) I mean, God. That's when people... like. We're not ageists. We're not, like, total jerks. Okay. (laughs) This is why I'm glad you're going last, because I didn't want that one to... This starts, hi all, let's get to it. When I was a teenager, I worked at Blockbuster in Houston, Texas. I was a token girl. There were usually only one per shift. And then they used the emoji that you use in email that end up looking like gumdrops. You know, they're not a full circle. They're like flat on the bottom. Yeah. So it looks like a gumdrop with a face. And this one's rolling its eyes. So it's like a really irritated gumdrop in the middle of the email, which I love. Got it. Sexism. Oh, God. Anyhow, we had a ton of regular customers who would come several times a week some even daily to trade out their movie rentals one particular i mean god how long ago does that seem where you had to go to the video store and pick like three movies 13 year olds don't know what we're talking about when you don't even understand what renting a movie means yeah and what a pain in the ass it was a a car a blockbuster card which i think my dad still has in his wallet yep and many do and if you didn't have it like they wouldn't let you rent a movie yeah, you can. If you didn't have it, that was going to be the worst weekend ever. You were you were just relegated to whatever was on TV. Quinn, back then there were like four channels. That's right. There was no cable, no. or at least where I lived, cable was just starting. Yeah, I mean, Quinn, you don't get it. Quinn, Quinn, just you're living in this world of streaming and immediacy. <laughs> you're welcome. We love you. Okay, 
One particular customer, though, who was the manager of the neighborhood McDonald's, would come in multiple times a day. He would spend what seemed like forever, all caps, browsing the shelves and checking out movie titles. Sometimes I would catch him staring at me over the shelves, and I wondered if he was shoplifting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your heart. At Blockbuster. That's right. <laughs> and spending an hour hours at Blockbuster is impossible because there's like maybe a hundred movies. It's not like a cool old school video store where they have just like thousands of weird titles. No, not at all. They would have it would be like there would be ten copies of Groundhog's Day on yeah. one shelf of like, look, you can write Groundhog's Day. Yeah. And you whoever have to take took it. That, yeah. Because there the would shelf. only be that many copies. Right. We're both doing hand <laughs> We gestures. are doing the <laughs> taking it off a shelf. This is what taking something off a shelf looks like. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, one day I was working at the register when a woman came up and quietly said, Miss, I don't want to scare you, but there's a man masturbating in the drama section. <laughs> in the drama section. <laughs> Quinn, turn, mute this. Mute this. Quinn. Quinn. Um, so and then, the, and then it's just a line break, and then there's a line all by itself that said, "Dude had been masturbating the whole time." Oh God! The most fucked up part is that my store manager refused to ban him from the store because he was quote a paying customer, a masturbating paying customer. So, so now we circle back and start to analyze who this store manager is and where he masturbates publicly because clearly that's, right. that's a thing that you don't think is that big of a deal, right? When actually it's this huge sign. Gumdrop, gumdrop, gumdrop. Eye roll, gumdrop, eye roll, gumdrop. <laughs> uh, so, but this was the guy's solution. He would just follow him around every time he came in the store and use proximity to, to discourage him Perfect. from jacking off. Great. Blockbuster, I hope you don't wonder why you don't exist anymore. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for keeping me company on my commute to my dream job. My friend Jonathan is a fan, and I became addicted to MFM when my car stereo temporarily broke a couple years ago, and yours was the only podcast that would get loud enough on my phone to cover the road (laughs) noise in my hybrid. (laughs) Honored. We're honored. Thank you. The the shrill uh, vocal fry bursting Uh through past all the others. That's right. Sorry, Mark Maron. You need a... You need a vocal fry. <laughs> How about you get that register up a little higher? Thank God, because you guys have helped me so many times. Stay sexy and just get Netflix. Haley. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. Mas- public masturbators. Public masturbators that people aren't going to take any steps to get right. rid of or solve. Public public <laughs> masturbator apologizers. Yeah. That's, what, that's even worse. That's a, hopefully an era. We, now that the 90s are over, I feel like. Maybe that time is gone. You gotta hope. One would uh, hope and dream. Great job, everyone. Quinn. God, those were great. MVP. Quinn, you tell your friends you won because you did. That's right. Mainly you. You won um, this one. Send you us won your, this time. <laughs> send us your stories at my favorite murder at Gmail. Any kind of story, obviously, we love. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, you want a cookie? <laughs>